Hello everyone at Right Out of LA, this is Brendan Cassidy with the In Session Film Podcast, here to share my overall thoughts on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Thanks for asking me to chime in. The MCU has been quite a revolutionary movement, for better or for worse, to the point that every production company now needs to have their own cinematic universe of sorts. This begs the question, what will Marvel do after Infinity War and still the untitled Avengers 4? Will they have more room to grow in a sort of phase 4, or will the market for shared universes just become too oversaturated? I, for one, am ready for something different. I've really enjoyed the MCU thus far, some films more than others, but all good things must reach a satisfying conclusion, and I... Honestly, I think Phase 3 needs to begin closing some of these arcs for its characters. And if Phase 4 is inevitable, I hope it's from a fresh new perspective and group of characters without having to feel tied to everything that came before it. I almost think of it as like a spin-off season of sorts, like looking at it from a television standpoint. This gets to some of my favorite films in the MCU thus far, which are the ones that feel either less connected to the saga or take an approach where it feels like more are at stake. My favorite being Captain America the Winter Soldier, which grounds the entire saga with relevancy and a humanity humanity many of these films don't quite have. Same can be said for the first Iron Man, a look at the tensions over in the Middle East with a relatable yet incredibly charming hero at its center. Captain America Civil War then continued these relevant and personal notions, perhaps not as smoothly for me as other films did, such as those two I just mentioned, but it's in these films that I think the MCU will have its staying power for quite a long time. And then there's also the first Guardians of the Galaxy, a film I love for how eccentric and charming it is, but for how it feels so separate from the saga as a whole. This is what I admired so much about its sequel, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, despite me thinking it pretty much failed in its execution for me. Regardless, I want more films in this saga to have that ability to function on their own and be their own entities. And we also can't talk about the MCU without mentioning Joss Whedon's The Avengers, which was really a dream come true for many comic book fans, and it was a well-balanced film with such energy and very tight characterization. I, I love that film for all those reasons, and I do think it's one of the better films in this entire universe because of it. I can also have good fun with films like Ant-Man, Captain America the First Avenger, and even the first Thor, so even if I find these films far from great, they do help continue a more positive momentum for this, enti for this entire saga rather than negative. Let's just hope we don't get another Iron Man 2 or Thor the Dark World down the road. Uh, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I couldn't care less to see films like that anymore. Anyway, those are my thoughts on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Thanks for the invite, guys, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the MCU thus far.
Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of the Woo LA podcast, otherwise known as the Right Out of LA podcast. I am your host, Big Al Robinson, a.k.a. The List Man. I am found on Twitter at AlRob underscore MN. And today I have um, regular uh, panelist Jonathan Holmes with us. Hello. My name, of course, is Jonathan Holmes. You can find me also on Twitter at Mr. Brown underscore 23. I'm also a, a sometimes contributor to writeoutofla.com. And you can find me on mrbrownversus.blogspot.com. And then we also have with us a friend, uh, Eric Allen. And he is on Twitter but doesn't really use Twitter much. Is that correct? I'm on, I'm on Twitter, but I don't use it as much. I'm at Eric Allen at 08220. And uh, so I brought you guys here, of course, to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything that goes along with that. Uh, we will be covering a whole bunch of um, an assortment of topics related to that um, that I think we will just get into as we get to it. So... Um, so, as most of you uh, who love the MCU know, the the idea behind this was organic. It didn't start out as a planned universe. I think they got their hands on Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk and decided that they would just try something new and see where it took them. And, of course, it worked out because Iron Man was a phenomenal success directed by, of course, John Favreau, who previously before that was really only known as that fat guy in Friends who dated... <laughs> he also did swingers. And wanted to be a professional wrestler. <laughs> and uh, Iron Man was just, yeah, it, absolutely phenomenal way to kick off um, the universe. Uh, I think Tony Stark and Iron Man is one of the best characters because he's got he can fly and he can do all these cool things, but he's still just a normal human being. He's not like Superman or Spider-Man or anything like that. And uh, then, of course, right afterwards, they released uh, The Incredible Hulk at the time with Edward Norton. Right. And I don't know what they thought was going to happen there because I'm guessing they yeah. only signed him to a one movie contract. No, I think what the thing is is that with Edward Norton is that they wanted to bring him back for the Avengers, but there was a contract dispute about how much money he wanted, to, how much money he wanted to make on that one, so they decided to go with uh, uh, Mark Ruffalo. Okay, yeah. Now let's let's okay. So first thing we should discuss then is which Avenger do, or which actor do we like better? Do we like Edward Norton or do we prefer Mark Ruffalo? Ruffalo. That that that's honestly not a debate at this point. Uh, for me, uh, Ruffalo really kind of captured uh, kind of Bruce Banner. He's really nerdy, very uh, introverted, of course, because of being exposed to gamma radiation and becoming a big, giant, uncontrollable rage monster. <laughs> and I think you kind of have to, with the character, you kind of have, he has to be that way because he, it's, he doesn't fully trust uh, the system and the powers that be that gave him the, that gave him these powers, but also he isn't really, he isn't even trust his own his own self, his own mind, because at any moment he can just snap. Mm -hmm. I suppose my yeah, I suppose I'll go with Mark 
Mark Ruffalo too as that one. Because I, I tried seeing the Incredible Hulk in that movie, I just kind of got, uh, yeah, I didn't really feel it with him. I kind of just, oh, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, okay, he's he's an okay kind of Bruce Banner. But when I saw him in the Avengers, I thought they absolutely nailed it with the perfect casting. He's just he's what I see Hulk. He's he's what I always envisioned being Hulk. He's just that that normal guy that comes in. He just he just made magic with it. That's that's what I saw with with him and Hulk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would go with uh, Mark Ruffalo as well. I think part of that is that, like between the two, Mark is more normal. Like he looks more normal. Like Edward Norton is a really good looking guy. And granted, yeah, okay, so so is Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Robert Downey Jr. But like Bruce Banner is sort of a nerd. Yeah, and. So, like, get the guy with the curly hair who, you know, otherwise has been known for more independent films. Right. And I think, I think, yeah, exactly. That was a great casting choice. Yeah, I think, it, really, I think it just goes down to just the aura and vibe of the both, of both actors. Both, are, both are, t- are talented and terrific character actors, but with Ruffalo, there is just... He, you see him, it's like, okay, you could just easily, you know, hang out with him, have a drink, and just kind of BS and talk. With Norton, I don't know if you really kind of get that vibe from him. And that, when I was watching both The Incredible Hulk and The Avengers, and that's just kind of my, my, my take on it. Yeah. Well, I think it's the right take. So then the other question then associated with the Hulk is why do you think it's been to this point that we've only had the first movie? And do you think that we've been kind of shortchanged by this? Well, I think with, uh, if I understand it correctly, universal still owns the rights to the incredible Hulk making an actual movie. And the incredible Hulk, the film was basically just kind of an, it's an, it's an MCU, uh, feature in, name only because it's still it's still a universal property and has it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with the universe all besides uh uh, uh william hurt's character and uh yeah besides the william hurt character it's mm-hmm. just it's just there because it's uh, him and stark that show up him and stark that show up at the end okay and i believe universal still does own the the rights to the film so it's hard to it's hard for them to for disney to actually make an incredible hulk movie without uh and 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 still have have it be their own thing plus there might be kind of move kind of money disputes too where they don't yeah and plus i think i think they're kind of afraid to go with the hulk movie again because both both the movies have just kind of just failed kind of to me miserably in that they don't he's better when he hulk character is a lot better when he's around surrounded by other people because I don't think people people like the Hulk but they just don't really he's better when he's with the other Avengers that's why. But that's yeah. a, that's because we've owned that's all that's what we've been given in terms of um the and seeing Mark Ruffalo as uh Banner and Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh I mean I, I'm excited to see him in Thor Ragnarok because it's it's him and another character. Yeah. So we, I have no idea if if an Incredible Hulk movie on its own would actually be uh, decent, would actually work mm-hmm. as a standalone. 
I mean, maybe with another hero or another kind of side character from the MCU, maybe it would work, but we have, there's no way, way of telling. Well, I suppose, you know, he'll do... Well, maybe Mark Wolf, maybe Mark Wolfel deserves a chance maybe to be on his own for a movie because he personifies the Hulk better. I don't know. It's just, just kind of me because the others kind of just didn't really kind of give out that whole right. kind of feel. But maybe if Mark Wolfel gave it a shot, maybe they would think and give it a better, you know, script or give it a better memorable acting experience. Maybe people would remember it and like it better and give it more of a chance because people just didn't people respond well to the whole movie. So no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes I wonder what's actually hated more, like The Incredible Hulk or Iron Man 2. God, some have seen both. Uh, you know, I... I uh, I, I guess Hulk, just because it's just it, it's if you're looking at the timeline, it it's it, it it is a standalone. It doesn't really have that much connection. Iron Man two just tries way too hard to kind of outdo the first Iron Man film and essentially set up its own to set up what's to set up the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like the theatrical version of Batman v Superman, where it, instead of trying, instead of one of the problems I I had is that you know what they should have made just uh, a sequel, a, a direct sequel to Man of, sequel, uh, Man of Steel two, and then go from there. And then if you wanted to make a movie about Batman, you should have done that instead of just trying cobble the cobble these characters together and just jumpstart your own universe. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. By the way, are you wearing a Superman T shirt right now? Oh, I am. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, and it's ironic because I'm uh, I have the Superman T-shirt. And I only got it because it looks because cool, I because I like the color and I like the um, scheme of it. Mm. I could not care that much for Superman as a character. I just never found him that interesting. Okay, got gotcha. you with Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> of course, on my planet, that the S means hope. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah. So so far we've covered the first Iron Man. Now let let's talk about the Iron Man series for a second here. So I think Iron Man is great because it establishes not only Iron Man's character and his world, but it it kind of shows us what the MCU would end up kind of being like. Right. And I I also like that it kind of took its time. You know, because like in Spider-Man movies, Batman movies, they pretty much get to his origin story like almost immediately, like when the first 20 minutes. But with Iron Man, it took a really long time because I, I swear, like he doesn't put on that suit officially till at least an hour and the yeah, to like the halfway point. Yeah. And and, you know, and even then, like when he's fully Iron Man, it's it's like it's not quite what it becomes in right. like by the second movie because he's he needs that time then to build new suits, develop the technology better, all those right. kinds of things. But uh, so what are our overall thoughts of the Iron Man trilogy so far and where do we think Tony Stark should go? Uh, well I guess uh, I, I I like I loved uh, Iron Iron Man one. Two yeah, uh, I, third, the third one I really enjoyed, even with the um, Mandarin uh, twist, because it's it, it kind of develops where um, 
what kind of what Kevin Feige and the Marvel, uh, what Mar what what a Disney Marvel kind of did with uh, with Phase Two, which is kind of he take uh, 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 genre tropes like like Iron Man Three. Iron Man Three is in it, it kind of like a PTSD detective story in a sense, and uh, Ant Man is a heist film. Mm-hmm. It is a heist film. Captain America Two is basically just a paranoia conspiracy th- thriller, and Guardians is is, is kind of like a space is a, a, a mashup of Star Wars and Firefly. Oh yeah, I could see that. Eric, were you going to say something? Oh, I was going to I was going to reference the um with you with the Iron Man Three. Was that I have this theory about it. it's just a kind of like. I got disappointed with kind of a bait and switch with uh, Mandarin. <laughs> that's, what I was, that's the point I was going to make with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he and I have gone back and forth on this. Like, he hates Iron Man three, and I love Iron Man three. Right. Now I, I'm with you, Jonathan, because to me, like, just specifically Iron Man three, like I like what it was going. It was trying something new. Uh, by that point, like they they realized that Iron Man two crash and burn. It just didn't work. You know, hiring Mickey Rourke was a mistake. And they needed to try something that would set it apart. And the other thing is, and I heard um, Kevin Feige talk about this on on an interview, that he wanted to make sure that all films, all third films, Mm -hmm. would not have the normal third film problems. Right. And so he thought, "Let's, let's try something with each trilogy where the third one is really about something they haven't seen before, like, um, you know, changing sort of the effect of the characters, motivations of the characters, all these kinds of things. And I like that Iron Man 3, for instance, you know, because, like, at first I hated this when I found out that all these suits didn't have him in it. They were just, like, remote control. Yeah, but then after a while, I'm like, "Oh, that's actually really, really cool." And with the Mandarin, I I thought that was hilarious at first. I, I mean, I admit I did the did a double take of what the fuck, and then I realized, <laughs> oh, okay, I okay, that whole thing was a ruse. There is a real Mandarin. It's just not yeah. Kingsley. It's right, or it's know? it's not uh, Guy Ritchie, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, in the fact that I like that he was just sort of a uh, a soccer hooligan in a way, like he just wanted yeah. to get uh, fuck naked chicks and like uh, watch soccer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's in Miami for for crying out loud! What better place to do it? Leading up to the movie, I thought, okay, like I'm, I'm going to get this big this big epic throwdown because you know, in my mind, these these villains just didn't really have all that muster, you know that. You know, I, I liked Obadiah Stane as the war monger, but then then I kind of felt they kind of really screwed it up with Mickey Work as not 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 even even name the the proper names villain in Iron Man two. Who can who can name Whiplash? I I can't. But I was expecting this big throwdown with you know the Mandarin and I and Tony Stark. They're like, okay, like I'm getting all my hopes up. I, everything is going according to thrill. Everything's going up according to and all of a sudden, I get this huge mindfuck just thrown at me, like, what? Okay, I, I was expecting it's just, like, something totally different, and you just kind of threw a kind of left pitch at me, and it's like, uh-uh, 
<laughs> no, it's not fly with me because these villains have not been up to par. Besides Loki, nobody has been up to par with the villains, and I feel in the MCU. I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I actually kind of liked um, uh, uh, Guy Ritchie's uh, uh, Killian character, who's just kind of again his motive. The whole his whole motivation has basically been revenge, to, revenge, and to make start feel. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know. It's not the humble award to or anything, but to to um, I guess crush him for. Basically, living them on living them on a roof. Basically, it's, uh, it just felt like uh, just playing like a little old game of boyfriend girlfriend. Get, I'm going to get him back for that. That just kind of felt, uh, yeah, just sort of a good, not really good reason for me is that there was just no. You're just mad at him because he did that. That was just not proper motivation to me. And and where in this timeline did he even get to be this? That's another thing is. I never even heard of these people that could go all flamey, you know. I don't, I... Well, they that part was taken from the extremist storylines where um, they do, where the victims do uh, have, are given uh, uh, enhanced abilities that are unstable. So that, hmm. yeah, yeah, I kind of like that when they just ran, randomly blow up, like. The fact that they blew up Grauman's Chinese theater. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, what better place than the center of Hollywood, you know, movies. And, okay, we're just going to blow it up. And then, and then the fact that they go and they blow up Tony Stark's um, mansion. Melville, Mel- yeah. Yeah, oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. I felt so bad. Like, I was loving it because it was just this visual treat. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, my God, this gorgeous cliffside mansion is going to be destroyed and it maybe it's just me but i was actually <laughs> more sad for the mansion than for pepper oh wow really <laughs> at, least, at, least, at least pepper got to put on the suit you know <laughs> for that little brief of time so that you know that kind of made up for that what what i find a huge flaw in is that Tony had all these suits ready for the big fight with the supposed mandarin but he couldn't have the suits ready when Manor was coming to uh, his place and giving his address. I would have been like, you know what? I'm going to get my all my suits ready for that house party. So I'm going to get this guy. Boom, bam, story's done. That way he doesn't yes, he doesn't go through all that. <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah, but at this point he's still he's still too full of himself and too arrogant to actually not to ne- actually not do that. So that's that's that, that would have been the smart thing to do. Is <laughs> that would have just end of the movie right there, but I suppose they have to build time. <laughs> yeah, but also, again, Tony Stark is an arrogant prick. I mean, you really think he's going to think that far ahead? He's a, he's a genius. He's a, he has a high, high IQ. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> oh, they're, like, they're not going to come, and I should not be prepared. <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, like, when you were talking about the party, I, I thought back to Iron Man 2, when he gets really drunk, and he, he like, shows how he can piss in his suit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's like in case anybody's ever wondered how do I go to the bathroom ah just like that like you, where, did I, where did that urine go <laughs> is it going in, in his suit or in his <laughs> that urine has to go somewhere and it, but urine's going to go right through his suit <laughs> now what did you guys think of that fight between Iron Man and War Machine in that right, that right afterwards 
because I thought that was awesome. Uh, it was all right. I thought it was just kind of like a, um, you know, like Rock and Sock and Robots is kind of like that. <laughs> I feel like a big yeah. brother, little brother fight because Tony had more experience with the suit. And I don't know how Rudy got on the suit when he had proper, um, I don't know what's the term for it, but he wasn't authorized to use it. And I'm wondering how he got that on in the first place. So he had no experience with it. And I thought, Tony should be kicking this guy around, but then um, Rody had more military experience, so maybe that's how he had the um, experience to rumble the fight with Tony in the suit. So, but yeah, I don't know where where that would have went, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, back to the first Iron Man. Did we like when he announced at the end that he was Iron Man? Because you know, like usually the superheroes. Yeah, they, they keep their identity a secret. Yeah. Oh, I I, I kind of like that because it's just it it felt it felt very natural to the character that he's not he's not going to keep this a secret. And, if, and even if he did, he's not keeping it for long. He's too full of himself to to not to not yeah. to, to not keep that for himself. I mean, the guy the guy isn't practically in love with himself. So yeah, of yeah. course he wants all the recognition he can get. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, then I feel like. That was definitely a, maybe like a Kevin Feige decision because I think he wanted to change things up almost from the start because he saw the way that other superhero movies, you know, if you try to keep up this charade, it eventually it feels like you're insulting the audience because they're like, come on, really? Nobody knows that this is the same person? Right. And and with those, it's like, ah, we don't care. We're just going to say, yep, yep. It's me. I'm, you know, Tony Stark is Iron Man, Captain America, you know, Steve Rogers, although nobody knew who Steve Rogers was. Right. Well, people would have to assume, you know, that, okay, who's the most richest guy in, in this in this area? Who could build that? And that's kind of like how they felt with Batman and Bruce, Batman and Bruce Wayne, is that they should have known that, well, there are only certain people who can afford that amount of, you know, fighting, and or not that fighting, but that kind of suits and that kind of weaponry. Like, who else is going to fund all of that? You know, it has to be the richest, most arrogant people to do that. <laughs> I am Bruce Wayne. I'm Batman. <laughs> That's another thing that I have a problem with is those Batman movies. This voice sounded like a bag of marbles. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was basically Batman and Bane, like, like that, that was, I could not understand he, those things. Those who was talking to who or what was I just not understand all of that parts. Uh, hey, at least with Batman v Superman, they they're smart to give him like a, a voice synthesizer to change his voice. So. Oh yeah, he is, a, yeah. he is a billionaire, so you should be able to afford the technology. <laughs> um. Okay. So yeah. So. What do we think of the Iron Man suit? Like, the look of the suit. Because I, I fucking love it. Like, I, to me, part of the reason I fell in love with Iron Man is because of that red suit. It's badass, honestly. Uh, I love the scheme. And again, it just, it, 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 it's kind of gaudy and it looks cool. And again, it's just, it, it feels very organic to think, to think that, Yes, a billionaire who has all the money and all the intelligence of the world would actually make something like this to say, hey, look at me. I'm fucking awesome. <laughs> exactly. And I love that little cue when he looked at his hot rod. Like, you know what? Throw a little hot dried red in there. I thought, 
Yeah, that's how he got his inspiration. Yeah, he's, he just loves that color. And with uh, how Rhodey got it, how he, how he designed this suit, that was kind of, uh, yeah, no, that did not flatter me. That just looked plain and ugly to me. <laughs> well, what about that? Didn't he have, like, that, that cannon thing in the back? Yeah. Well, you expect yeah, that again, thing again, that's all military from, that's, guy. Yeah, all that's that's all from uh, that was all from Justin Hammer, but also it makes sense for Rhodey because he is a military. Uh, he, he's a, he's he's in the military. You expect you would expect if if uh, the U.S. military ever got a hold of something like that, mm-hmm. they're going to check it out with every piece of gun and ammo um, weaponry available. Right, especially the ex- yeah. What was that little thingy? But blurted out in the suit, the ex-wife or something. Yeah, <laughs> that was just kind of. They kind of throw it in. Well, there. then I, I like how the suit he can talk to his computer. Um, AI Jar- Jarvis. Jarvis. At the time. Can, yeah, that he can talk to Jarvis in the suit, and that like when he's at his mansion, like the whole computer system. I, I think like that that kind of technology is really cool. Like I don't think even Batman has that. Like Batman has Alfred, but he like I would take Jarvis any day over Alfred. Yeah, but uh, and also Jarvis is even though he's an a, he's a computer, he's a smartass. I love the fact that <laughs> yeah. he can give Tony Stark shit <laughs> or just be very sar- dry and sarcastic with them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Jarvis. I love Jarvis. <laughs> And, uh, you know, voiced by Paul Bettany, of course, and, yeah, he's phenomenal. Um, okay, so uh, let's move on then to Thor, because in the timeline, Thor came next. So, you know, Thor felt like, to me, of the four main characters, he had the least amount of origin story, in a way, or at least in any kind of full-on explanation, because he's just like, okay, he's Thor, you know, and he lives on his planet, and, you know, he's sort of second-in-command to his father, and he's got, you know, brother Loki, and, okay, and he's badass, but, like, he doesn't really have that much of a backstory or an origin story, but he doesn't really need one. So, I I, I really, really like the first Thor, because, yeah. you know, I like that they brought him to Earth, for one thing. Because what, wasn't he cast off from... He was cast life? off for trying for his, almost starting a war with the uh, Frost Giants or something like that. That's right, okay. And then, of course, you know, like, he meets um, Kat Dennings and Natalie Portman and um, uh, Stellan... Stellan Starsgard. Stellan Starsgard. And I love how, what, it's New Mexico, right? It's just some random yeah. small town in New Mexico. Like, yeah. that was cool. Like, I like that decision, for one thing, because it, it, it made everything feel small. Like, okay, the planet, what, what uh, what's the planet called again? Asgard. Um, Asgard. Asgard, thank you. Like, Asgard, everything on Asgard is lush. It's like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's big. And then he comes to Earth, and it's like, you know, he, he doesn't get plopped down. It's a back, city. It feels like it's a, black, it's a backwater planet. Exactly, yeah. Like, it, I think the analogy works so perfect. I mean, especially when, I mean, middle of nowhere in New Mexico, and all you see is desert everywhere around you, and even the town itself looks like it's something right out of Tombstone. <laughs> yeah, like, you expect, like, John Wayne to ride a horse through the city. You know, pull up at the saloon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, the first Thor is really, really good. 
and uh, you know the the whole dynamic between him and his father, him and Loki, of course. And I like how um, they kind of borrowed a little bit from like Superman Two, where like they had sort of the Zod characters or whatever those things are that were there from uh, Loki's or not Loki's army, um, Odin's army, was it? Uh, I'm not sure. It, it's it's honestly been a while since I've seen the yeah. first Thor movie, so yeah, me too. Uh, but I just remember like they were they were badass. They came down to stop Thor, and then there was the uh, whole oh the, oh the the, the uh, destroyer that big me- metallic uh, creature yep. thing. Yep, that was so cool. And like, wasn't it almost like a he could control the weather? Or something like there was a big tornado you know, type of thing that was going on. I don't know what that was. Kind of, it was just kind of, uh, just, kind of this mechanical thing that could control something. I just thought, you know, he created this big, you know, storm I knew, but I didn't, didn't think he would control any elements. So it, was that, it, was a, it was a cool fight, though, but, you know, it kind of didn't last really long. I thought it was pretty cool on Loki's part to think, you know, this guy could probably stand a chance against Thor, even though I'm kind of really getting mm-hmm. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I didn't go back and watch Thor or Thor um, the Dark World yet. Um, kind of the one blind spot, you know, or like, I remember the Iron Man series fairly well, and we don't, there's there really isn't any Hulk series, so nothing really to remember. And the first one was, eh, you know, as we kind of established, the first one was just kind of forgettable anyway. Um, but with Thor, it's like, okay, I, I know it's sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's introducing other planets, and that's cool. Um, which I think that's kind of like, I, cause I was, I kept thinking like, how are we going to get this connection with the Avengers, the Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, honestly, I think part of that connection is first we had to, to realize that they're setting this universe. I mean, it really is a Marvel cinematic universe Yeah, because, you know, you have Asgard out, out there in some, uh, the nine universe. Realms. Yeah. And so the Guardians of the Galaxy are out there, and it's... But at this point, it's no big deal. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, because there are other planets. And with Thor, like, that whole bridge thing was really cool. Like, um... Although, see, some of that is kind of confusing, because, like, he needed that to get back to the planet, but then, like, once it's destroyed, how the hell does he get back? I don't get it. Because you never really see him. You never really see that rainbow bridge again. He just always teleporting right in the middle of nowhere, you know, so I'm always assuming that's it. Well, the, the Bifrost, the Bifrost yeah. bridge was actually rebuilt by movie two. Oh, okay, but that still doesn't explain exactly how Thor ended up uh, with uh, getting making it back to Earth for the Avengers. I'm still, I'm still kind of stretching yeah, my hand yeah. on that one. Right? Yeah, I see it. that. Well, well, in the, the Avengers movie is is probably usually kind of energy. Okay, something Odin only knew, or something. That I'm guessing is that. How I got to Earth, guys. Like, how did you get here? Dark energy. Like, okay, I guess, I guess I'll buy that for for one movie because you know because the Avengers was kind of made the movie of convenience, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because we needed because we needed Thor to come down to, um, for the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it, and it's funny because like when I think of the Thor series so far, the, literally the first thing that pops into my head underwhelming. Well, I mean, yeah, that 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 for sure. Um, but no, like when he he's walking around with a shirt off. That that's 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 for the ladies in the audience. Yeah, you know, I thought to myself, 
I am extremely jealous right now. Like, that's how I want to look. <laughs> you're not going to get a, a flabby god up. The flabby god of thunder. <laughs> you're not, yeah, you're not getting Jack Black or Seth <laughs> Right, exactly. So, but, um, okay, so Thor the Dark World. I mean, I, I suppose we have to talk about a little uh, bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can provide it's, some of those because I probably remember most of the movies. Okay. So I probably could fill you in on some of the stuff you guys may not have remembered quite as well because the movie's kind of okay. forgettable. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like I kind of like I heard that too. It, yeah. it fell into that same problem. It's like I got to outdo the other one. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I like I said, I don't remember much. I remember like the end scene takes place in London and shit's going down there. Um, right. It's the, uh, con- the the convergence, the convergence of the nine realms, and that's all about. That's all I honestly remember about that. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the the dark world. It, I, the biggest problem I think I have with it is that uh, Thor is not even the most interesting character in his own movie. That, that that's uh, Alma Hilston as Loki. He was just com- compelling as kind of this. As a as a fallen brother who who loves to just cause mayhem, but knows um, he should be better than this. Uh, well, no, there's only like some piece of the movie I can kind of put together between that is that you know it dealt with the um, reality stone, it dealt with the Malachite, the king of the I don't know, the, or the, the, the leader of the dark elves, I guess. So yeah. And they wanted to uh, totally get rid of the parents of Odin, or not Odin, but the parents of Thor, so Loki could come in so they could build Iron, or not Iron, Thor, Ragnarok, so, because, you know, they got to bring in death somehow, and Loki's got to take the throne for death to come, so I guess I understand that part, but, uh, yeah, it's just kind of the forgettable movie of the the three, because I'm expecting big things for Thor, Ragnarok to come, the, the makeup for Thor, the Dark World. Basically, it's just, yeah, that, and Reality Stone, and supposedly Loki dying, but he didn't, so that's, there's, there's your must of uh, Thor to Dark World. <laughs> I think, my, th- my thing, I go a little, a little deeper, um, you know, I think just, just, uh, as much as I enjoy Chris Hemsworth as Thor, uh, outside of th- the first movie where you see him as an arrogant douchebag, <laughs> and he has to, and he has to be, and, he ha- and he's sent to Earth to learn humility there's really nowhere else to you don't really i thought i thought the move that the film did it did did a poor job taking him where, where's this character going next it feels like it's again he's not even the most interesting character in his own movie and yeah. i mean there's there's mention that yes eventually he has to take the throne and he doesn't really want to because well, he wants to be with jane foster but that's really it. I mean, there's I, I'm. Well, I didn't. I didn't. There's, there's not much character development with it with with, with the title character. Oh, well, going so in, I didn't movie expect the movie too. Like going in, I didn't expect Thor, you know, to be like main carrier of the Avengers, because you know he's just that. Just, he's just a god of thunder, you know. Is that I don't really expect him to have some. I know he's supposed to have some character development, but not really. But. Um, Basically, it's just other people carry the other interesting parts because I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying. It basically, like, uh, that they needed, because Thor is considered, at least for the sake of the Avengers, he's considered one of the four main characters. 
and they need to give him his own storylines. But if you don't have very interesting stories to tell, it suffers. Although, you know, the thing is, they could have pulled, like, an Incredible Hulk, gave him one movie, and then says, uh, yeah, we're good for now, because you at least brought us into uh, the Avengers, which helped. But otherwise, we're going to wait and give you something useful once we have something to give you. That because I feel like, I don't know what, sometimes I don't really quite understand what the MCU decides. Like, do they think, well, we have these characters, we need to use them for their own films. Um, but see, to me, that's like, I feel like the, probably the better thing would be to like, see, okay, the first one was a success, and people like this character, they respond to the character. And so we'll make another one, but we should only make another one if we have a really good story to tell. And like, for instance, do I think that Iron Man two was a good story to tell? No, they could have no. probably done without it. I like Iron Man three because um, I thought it was it was unique. It was doing something different um, with the Incredible Hulk. I, I mean, we probably could have just done without it altogether. And just introduced the Hulk as in the Avengers. Avenger. Yeah, yeah, because you could have just thrown him in as as a quick little intro, like, oh, by the way, we need to go get Bruce. Hey, oh yeah, that's right, Bruce Banner, the Incredible Hulk. You know, and that would have been kind of a cool, like, oh yeah, sweet, let's go get the Hulk because that's a cool ramp up to him and a and a better way of introducing. Plus, then you wouldn't have that. Oh wait, he's not Edward Norton. Who's this guy? What, what is Mark Ruffalo doing in a, an Avengers movie when it should be Edward Norton? Now, with Thor, it's like, uh, it seems like the only reason they would have made the second one is because of the mythology, you know, sort of the moving pieces, if you will. We need right. these five minutes, but we need to make a two-hour movie. So the okay. five minutes justifies a two-hour movie. Thor was kind of boring to me in that movie, and it's just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give him a pass, you know, because he's Thor, but, you know, they could have done a lot better going in better directions with the Infinity Stones in terms of Reality Stones. Uh, that was story that just kind of just probably just bored everybody, and I don't think people are going to remember it, because I think they're going to probably need a reintroduction into that. Yeah, <laughs> actually, you know what, the thing here, uh, what I've just like, seen uh, uh, Chris Hermes with outside of uh, Thor He's actually very charismatic. He's actually, he, I mean, he's actually kind of funny. He can actually do comedic bits, and he can has comedic beats, and he does that very well. And I think with Thor Ragnarok, is that he, he's good. I think he's going to be very, very funny in that movie. And yeah. I think that's if you play him to that strength as a as a god who does have, who can just kind of be a bit of a. a yeah, I am wondering though how much of that is how much of that is Chris Hemsworth and how much of that is is Taika Waititi. I think it's going to be a, a, a good fifty fifty mix. Yeah, because you know I don't know how many of you listeners out there saw Hunt for the Wilder People, but that was all comedy. Or um, what we do in the shadows, which is hilarious. Okay, I sadly have not seen that one yet. Yeah, werewolves, werewolves, not swearwolves. It's it's, uh, it's 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 one of my favorite lines in the movie, and it I just feel like it it would catch on as a um, a meme. Mm-hmm. Sort um, of. 
yeah, Hunt for the Wilder People at least that like that that is like the writing for that is extremely well or good and um I I think he was absolutely I can already tell like he was absolutely the right choice for Thor because you know it's not just Thor apparently it's Thor and Hulk so it's kind right. of like a, a second Hulk movie too the way that like Captain America Civil War was well, it was a bunch of things. It was an Avengers right. 3, and it was an Iron Man 4. Right. But also, uh, going back to Thor, um, I think what James Gunn proved, James Gunn and, to an extent, Scott Derrickson proved that you can get weird. You, you can get yeah. weird, and people will like it. And I think with Thor and the Nine Realms and other planets, it's like, just you can just get creative get unique i mean you don't have to be uh boring and i think that's that was what that was what was missing with uh the first thor movie and dark world right yeah well i mean it was better writing christopher Thor could have been a lot more interesting because you know i always find chris hemworth to be a pretty good actor well that's just based bias in my (laughs) but i think he does a great job as as Thor, because I can't imagine anybody else kind of like Tony, you know, like Robert Downey Jr. is only Iron Man. So, mm-hmm. so um, moving on then to our and final now we're getting to the, the the most interesting. Yeah, Captain America. Who? Oh my God! Like, I think Captain America was probably designed to be the most interesting of the Avengers characters and having the best storylines. Again, he's he was a real guy, and then they created superhero and he fought in world war ii which is really really cool and he fought against the nazis which is really really cool and then you know they bring him into current day modern day yeah and it's like a fish out of water kind of thing yeah and like you get his motivations like his motivations and and tony's motivations are the easiest to tell of these stories because Mm -hmm. They're so clearly defined, you know, like Thor and Hulk. I think they're just kind of around, like, because, well, we're big and strong and, yeah, we can we can hurt people. No, well, Captain America and Iron Man, basically, they kind of carry the MCU, too, because they have the best characters and have the best, you know, for it. Is that, you know, they have, they have the most process, you know, you know to grow. Is that where where is Thor gonna grow? Where's Hulk gonna grow? You know, is, yeah. Whereas Iron Man and Captain America, because they really kind of lead the Avengers, you know, so they they kind of call the shots most of the time. So they really have to go through that that process. Actually, I, 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 it's funny you bring that up. I love the inner. If you're looking at both Iron Man, the Iron Man films, the Captain America films, I love how that that, that there is kind of like a. An inter, kind of like an intersection, or they they cross paths in um, in how the character starts and how the character ends. Like with uh, the first Avenger, Captain America is essentially just a, is fine with being kind of a company man, mm-hmm. and Iron Man and Tony Stark is just very much anti-authority and you know screw, hey, screw you, you're not getting my suits, and then where they end up with uh, Civil War and um, with, with Civil War and Age of Ultron is that Tony is fine being 
kind of being a check and being the company man, and Steve doesn't trust anyone. Well, I just think doesn't trust the powers that be. In both universes, I think they both had to see from the other point of view is that, you know, they were both so stuck in their kind of thought process, you know, that they both needed really to grow. And, you know, both, you know, both their movie, you know, timelines kind of, they needed to grow. And, you know, they kind of, they kind of grew in the opposite directions of the others were going through that Cap needed to really kind of get with the times and Tony really needed to get rid of that um, arrogance and whatnot. So I think they did a good job with that, that storyline too, is that because both, didn't really because they were they were both flawed in terms of that. So going through their movies, I thought they did an excellent job of going through that. Yeah, um, yeah. For me, what's interesting about the Captain America movies is I think like in terms of overall filmmaking, I think the first Avenger is better than the Winter Soldier. Now, I know a lot of people are like, "Ooh, how can you say that?" But okay, what it is is. The first Avenger feels like a direct storyline that knows exactly where it wants to start and end, and I think that with the first event or uh, with uh, the Winter Soldier, it feels like it kind of meanders a little bit and goes, "Well, we're gonna try a couple things, see if it works. We're gonna go out, you know, out of left field and bring in this whole, um, you know, paranoia." Hydra. Yeah. Okay. When did? Because kind of felt. Well, when did? Shouldn't and Hydra been in the verse the whole time? Is that because because they were in like um, Captain America or the First Avenger, and but they didn't really. Cause I didn't feel that Hydra was no, known. So this mm-hmm. came kind of came out of that part. Yeah. Well, that and like um, well, on a different note, I, when they get into that like Hydra underground bunker thing, like that so reminded me of the Dharma Initiative and Lost. Okay, I, I don't know. I haven't watched Lost, so... Okay, so in Lost, Lost um, they, they stumble upon this, like, underground bunker, essentially, right? And it, like, was to have experiments and all this kind of stuff. And then throughout the seasons, you discover there's a thing called the Dharma Initiative that was in the 70s. And they were doing experiments and all these kinds of things. And this whole connection, it felt very similar. Um, so that's just kind of an interesting takeaway with that. But like, with the Winter Soldier, like, the care, I, I appreciated that, that um, you know, they took Bucky and made him the villain. That was kind of cool. In a way, that was sort of the same difference as taking Loki and making him the villain of Thor and the Avengers, where, like, first they were sort of family, friends, and this and that. And they thought, okay, we can do this with Bucky as well. And, and we can take him and we, we can make him the bad guy. And we can make him badass. And he's like the Terminator. You know, he's got, he's missing an arm. So his left arm is sort of like its robotic arm and everything else. And, you know, he's unstoppable. I thought that was really cool. Um, but the action sequences, I felt like, were better told in the first Avenger. Plus, the storyline itself was just more interesting because it's World War II. He's fighting Nazis in the first in the the the, um, the, the Winter Soldier. I think the, fir- the oh, sorry uh, the, the oh, first no, Avenger. The first Avenger is is very kind of pulpy, kind of a pulpy uh, 
comic book adventure that you expect mm-hmm. get the, it for the time period. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, I think that's why you run on Joe Johnson to do that for that specific aesthetic. Right. And why you bring on uh, Alvin Silvestri to, to the score because it it, ha- it has to sound it, it has to feel and look and sound like this is this is coming out of um, out of the forties out of that time era. Mm-hmm. And I think with the Winter Soldier, it has to be a completely dif- different aesthetic because it's it's modern day. It's uh, everything. Everything has changed. America is not Cap's ideas, ideals, and the ideals of the powers that be and of the country have completely changed. Within as as has have changed um, as long as Captain America has been has been under the ice, right? And yeah, the and the thing I like largely about the Winter Soldier is is you know uh, Rogers is, is trying to come to grips with that and trying to understand exactly where do I fit in? Do my ideas, are, are they out, are they completely outdated and I need to change or is there, or am I right? Or everyone else, and, or am I right and everyone else is completely fucked up? Mm-hmm. And I think he's trying to navigate that dichotomy as he's trying to uncover, um, you know, uh, the under, uh, what is shield doing and all that so yeah well the other thing i was thinking is i think part of it the timing and i don't know maybe this is just sort of a coincidence but the timing of the winter soldier because that was april 2014 i believe yeah and um i don't remember when the nsa edward snowden thing happened but it was about 2012 2013 i want to say Okay, so that's... Yeah, it was 2012. Yeah. Again, it, I, I feel stuff like that is always just... is, mo, is ha, It has to... It's just coincidence mm. that it just is timed in. Yeah, because I feel like they planned these movies out far in advance, and the Edward Snowden thing happened, and that was really just a coincidence. Yeah. But, you know, you also have the Julian Assange WikiLeaks thing, mm. and it, it felt... It did feel very timely. Um, uh, in this this era that we live in of this spying and not really sure who to trust thing, and I do appreciate that you know that Captain America went there with it, you know, and like I like how like Natasha was along for that, and how perfect that is that she is a Russian character, right? I'm assuming she's Russian, right? Yeah, yeah, she she is. Yeah, yeah so you have this Russian woman and this american man in a paranoia film but it's also an action film (laughs) right and it's just it's pretty ironic when you put it all together um but the thing is like uh neither one of them compare to how good civil war is civil war to me is far and away the best captain america movie and the more and more I think about it, it's it's arguably one of the best Marvel movies. I I, I, I agree with that, yeah. Because they took this storyline that had been building, and it had arguably one of the best plots that you can have. Where, you know, it's like Captain America 
and Iron Man are kind of now they're sort of butting heads, you know. Well, I think they both kind of they've been, been they've been doing that for a while now, but now it's finally there. There is something that tears them apart completely. Yeah. Well, to me, I feel like they kind of realized the error of their their ways, and they kind of the world is not as black and white as they saw it before, and that they really need you know to grow and get the world that doesn't revolve. No, no, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, I don't, Jonathan. Were you Team Iron Man or Team Captain America? I when I first watched it, I was I was actually on Tony Stark's side. I kind of understood where Cap was coming from, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I felt like the Avengers kind of they had to be put in check just because of what ha- what happened in the logs, but also what happened at the end of Age of Ultron. Yeah. Which is at, at some at some point someone they, someone has to be held accountable. They have to be held accountable not only for saving the world but also for the mess they inadvertently will leave behind. Mm-hmm. All the collateral damage. Yeah. Um, and Eric, how about you? Team Iron Man, and I'm probably only one in my group of friends or any people I know that I'm really Team Iron Man. But to me, it was just Team Cap. Just kind of just felt kind of morally wrong because of what, you know, Cap was doing. He was totally willing to sacrifice everything just for the sake of his friend. He went in, going in, trying to help Bucky, even though he didn't have all the facts together. And he could have been totally wrong for that. But he, he, he knew what he wasn't, he knew what he was doing wasn't morally right. So that's why I thought he, you know what, I'm going to just throw the shield down. You know, I didn't do right. I, I regret it, you know, so I need, I need time to grow myself too because you know, is that you know they do need to be held accountable. Is you know, is, no nobody's paying for these you know crimes that was committed. I know that Loki was a part of it. I know the Hydro was a part of it. But you know, they're not going to pay for their Ultron mistakes. You know, is that Tony felt you know he felt extremely bad for what he, he did, and he thought you know what I'm trying to make it right, and that's why that's what I really connected with with Tony of that. <clears throat> but also, I, th- I felt Tony also made mistakes along the way, um, keeping Wanda in, in, in the compound against well, her, essentially against her will. Well, uh, not really against her will. I thought he was just trying to, you know, protect her because he knew that the governments and everybody else was really trying, really trying to get her. Because you know, Wanda was going to really just try to protect herself, and because anybody trying yeah, to get her, so yeah, but she's going to protect yeah, herself. But was and, she really like actually brought in? And said, "Okay, this is this is the situation that you're facing, and I need your help to to, to help you not end up in some in, in, end up in a worse state than where uh, the government would like to put you." And I don't think he. I, I'm pretty sure he didn't do that, or that thought did not come across went come across come across his uh, his his uh, mind. Uh, also. I also kind of thought um, towards the end where he finds out that Bucky killed his parents, he was going to straight, he was going to cross a line to, from which there's no coming back and just say, and say he was going to basically straight up murder someone for, yeah. well, I don't, I, I don't know if it was really explained that he would have killed Bucky. He just wanted to get, Oh no, he would have done it. Some of the frustrations that he was feeling at the time, because he felt like his best friend kind of just lied to him, like all these during the time that, Whenever Cap found out, you know that I don't think he really would have killed Bucky. He just really wanted to get some of that frustrations out because all that was building up and building up. And Tony was just, you know, I just needed a, a release, you know. 
to me, it doesn't feel like Tony would just straight up, you know, murder somebody. I don't think he would have done that in my my view. No, no, I like he he was pretty pissed at that moment, and I mean enough to like to try and take on both Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Like that seems like a lot. Um, and and you got to remember he wasn't in his right mind at that moment. Uh, like basically he was full of rage. And I know you can have, like, rage blackouts, and, you know, it, I don't know. But I just love how they, they brought that storyline to that point, and they, they splintered the group. And I, I, I do find it fascinating, to like, how they're going to try and bring them back together for Infinity War. That should be really, really interesting. Because, um, <laughs> you know, basically Thanos is going to come in, you know, with Infinity Gauntlet. Okay, does all your problems seem kind of big now <laughs> when I'm carrying the Infinity Gauntlet? <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, let, let's um, talk then about the Avengers. So we'll go backwards and we'll talk some then about those. So do we feel like the Avengers films themselves are better than the individual Avenger films, or do we think uh, they're only part a, of the story? It, I'd say, yeah, they are part of the story, of course, but mm-hmm. as team-ups, as a, as a full team-up, you know, I thought Avengers 1 was was perfect. I mean, maybe for some bits, I thought, okay, there's a little lapse in logic, but otherwise absolutely perfect, mm-hmm. the way Joss, Joss Whedon made it. Number two felt like it kind of fell into, into the same kind of trap of it's trying to go bigger and better and it doesn't fully um, work. Also, too many it also suffers from uh, Batman Returns uh, syndrome where it's just too many characters. You're trying to st- overstuff too many char- too many characters and trying to establish too, one too many plot threads that will eventually get will eventually work, come. Uh, back up again in future movies, but mm, instead yeah. of trying to just be its own thing, it well, it has to just set up for something here and there, and just feel a, a bit just disjointed. Yeah. Well, in the Avengers, you know, there was more of an emergency, and right. But, but the Age of Ultron, I was wondering, okay, why is Thor there? Like, why is Hulk there? Why is you know is that? Now I can see why some well, else are there, but you know, it's so, just because they didn't know that. The Ultron was, you know, to, didn't know that Tony was even well, thinking about making that. Is, is that Thor was conveniently around? Hulk was seen. Well, Thor, Thor if, you're, if going back to uh, Thor of the Dark World, he still stayed on. He he abdicated the throne to stay on Earth to be with Jane Foster. So it makes sense that he would still that he would be with the Avengers at the time. Um, I think that was a contract thing, right? That yeah, why Natalie Portman never came back. Well, I'm I'm here now just because I'm here. See, for me, like I loved the. I actually really love both the Avenger movies. Um, at first, I I was a little underwhelmed with Age of Ultron, but the more like I've listened to other people talk about it, the more I can actually appreciate sort of what it was intended to do, and what I think in some ways it achieved. Um, I like that Joss Whedon had this idea of yeah, okay, we want to with the same kind of thematic elements, you know, you have to have some beats like, you know, any other Avengers movies, but at the same time, I want to have this drama uh, about, you know, families and parentage and the the whole notion that 
here's Tony, who designed Ultron, who tried to destroy the world, and then inadvertently created another, like, second son type, who was going to save the world. Because he had that, he had that science in it, so... Yeah. Yeah, he was instructional in, in the birth of Ultron, but mm-hmm. it's it's mostly just Tony and it's mostly just Tony and him and uh, well, Bruce could have shared, shared some of the blame too, as you know. I helped you, you know. I'll I'll, I'll shoulder some of the load for you. <laughs> <laughs> but but I get where they were going for with that movie is because you know Tony was something something up there was looming, you know that there's a bigger threat up there that you know wasn't the Avengers. Like okay, I got to prep for something because I get I get his motivations and I get why he was trying to make Ultron you know it was just a bad break that Ultron turned out to be a major you know asshat but he really redeemed himself making Vision because I think Vision will probably end up probably beating or or if they introduce no him he, no he'll d- no he, he's gonna die in in, 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 in uh, Infinity War no I'm, I'm, you don't I'm you don't put Vision in there and have him kill in the next two or three movies no yeah well, I like Vision Thanos needs to get needs to get the ma- the mind stone at some point and well just 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 take the little ingot out of him you know doesn't have to take away his whole head off <laughs> no he'll probably he's not going to take his whole head off but he'll fucking kill him to yeah, get to get it stone, like okay if he doesn't have a stone he's dead right probably yeah that's not, that's that's my line of thinking yeah well, the problem that we really explain is that you know he. I don't know if Ultron knew, because he knew that the Infinity Stone was in there, but it was in the scepter, but I didn't think he was going to use it, though, to help power himself with it. I don't know where they were going with that, but I, I, I think he could. I think he could I think he could survive without it, you know. He wouldn't be as strong, but he, I think he could, you know, make it in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love the first two Avenger movies. I think they're great. The, the action's, like... What's so nice about them is even if you don't, well, you're like, yeah, like, why is Thor here? And in some ways, why is Hulk here? It's cool because you get, you know, things like moments like when Hulk, like, tears, you know, take picks up Loki and just tosses him around. Yeah. Yeah. Tosses him around. Yeah. That was phenomenal. Or, or, or like the, the 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 fight between Iron Man and Hulk and Age. Yeah, the Hulkbuster suit. The Hulkbuster suit. I mean, those scenes are phenomenal. I just I just love how like Iron Man go like toe to toe with Thor, even though toe to toe with Hulk, but he has a problem with the guy with a shield. <laughs> <laughs> you can create this big Iron Man thing that go against the Hulk, but and go against Thor is that you have a trouble with guy <laughs> yeah, that was the part I just found funny when somebody brought it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I guess it's time then to to talk about the, the, the spinoff characters, so like or the new characters, so to speak. So first went we had um, Ant Man. Yeah. So what do we think of Ant Man? Uh, I like Paul Rudd. I like that he's. Uh... I like him as Scott Lang. Uh, I, I love the fact that he's not. He becomes a hero by accident, in, in, in the sense that he that he just but he just got out of prison. He's trying to do right by his daughter. <laughs> he, he's basically going right back to his old roots, like Captain America. Just yeah. okay, I'm going to break the law. You want to come with me? Sure. He was falling into peer pressure again. 
I think I I don't okay specifically Eric what you're talking about is in Civil War when Captain America invites him to fight on his side but I think at that point he had like sort of a a mental Avengers crush on Captain America and there's no way that he would know to that 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 guy was like his hero but yeah no I I think Ant Man was really cool well yeah I mean the storyline itself is kind of it's a little sluggish. I mean, the you know the the yeah. Hornet guy or whatever he was, um, Yellow Jacket. Yeah. Yeah, Darren Darren Cross. Yeah, like sorry, that could have been better. But you know, I I feel like again, it's just it's an origin story. All it's, all it really needs to do is be an hour and a half, two hour movie where like stuff happens, we see explosions. Well, technically, Ant Man. I don't know if Ant Man was a. Origin story since given, given the fact it's it's starting with um, a, a new um, a new person that's going to take that's going to pick up the mantle of Ant Man rather than just Hank Pym, Hank oh. Pym himself. Yeah, well, the suit was already made by Hank Pym. It was just kind of in, introducing a new character using it. So <laughs> with Scott Wing, yeah, I thought I like I like Paul running it, but. Mm. I, I think what I enjoyed most is that it's not. It, it wasn't just this. Uh, it wasn't just oh, he, uh, another another kind of save the world type deal. It's basically just a high. It's a heist film with smaller implications. I, I really enjoyed that 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 uh, that, that um, where they went with, with that uh, with the uh, storyline. Well, for me, there was kind of like a few, you know, things that could have, you know, prevented the movie to me is that, you know, they could have destroyed the suit and, you know, you know, come here, come on, Scott, just come join me, go to, you know, just end the movie right there, but I still had the whole time, but, you know, other than that, you know, it was, you know, it was enjoyable to, you know, for the ride, because I liked, you know, Paul Rudd the backstory and why, why he was doing what he was doing, you know, so it was, all in all, kind of like a good average movie for me as a Marvel fan. One thing about Ant Man that I gotta ask you guys is the de aging process. So they yeah, you know, they de aged what uh, Michael Douglas Michael Douglas to to um, Wall Street uh, Michael Douglas Wall Street yeah right. and then they de aged Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War to pre to was it pre Cokehead Downey uh, Jr. Yeah, right around that same time I think you know mid eighties or so like. He, probably when he was hanging out, partying with Charlie Sheen kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> or at least I would imagine so. <laughs> um, so w- w- I haven't seen uh, the de-aging of um, Ru- uh, R- Russell, um, Kurt Russell yet in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, but how does he look? Uh, uh, I guess, or like Snake Plissken kind of. Okay. Still looks kind of cool. Do you think they're yeah. actually doing a pretty good job with this, or do you think they should kind of? Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. That's I, good. After, I, after the, the third, you can probably. I mean, they're doing a good job, but now it's the danger is that it become it kind of becomes a gimmick. So maybe you oh, stop yeah. after this. Right. That makes sense because you know you don't want to take it too far where then suddenly it looks cartoonish. Right. Where they become almost caricatures. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so Ant-Man was really great, but then obviously, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, was a better, much, did a better job of really telling an interesting story with new characters, I don't know how many people were even familiar with the Guardians of the Galaxy before that. Not too many. Wow, yeah. 
I mean, maybe like a very, very select few who are like real, honest to God, comic comic book uh, diehards, aficionados. Yeah, but now it's like you know, it's like family members give up now. <laughs> you know, we yeah, for them, right? You know, beforehand. <laughs> and again, it go- and it goes back to the power of casting because if it was if it wasn't like Chris Pratt or. Um, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Bradley Cooper, and Vin Diesel. Who's those those characters? Or if they went wrong in one of, in casting one of the one of the characters like Star Lord or Gamora, and then I don't think this movie uh, Guardians would, would have worked as well as it yeah. did. Yeah, I agree. Like they really hit all the right notes for the for the actors and the script, and I think even the like. The visual effects of that movie was some of the best in the series. Oh yeah, you know, and I like how James Gunn knew, like, he wanted to make this a comedy almost first, and then yeah. an action Marvel movie second. And you know, I mean, stuff like, you know, you're when Rocket says to uh, Star Lord or to um, Peter, you know, like your your uh, your place is filthy. He goes, oh, you think that's bad? You should see it with a black light. You're listening to Captain Pollock painting. Painting, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. It's a yeah. jizz. It's a it's a jizz joke. Yeah, jizz joke because Jackson Pollock used to do splatter painting. Yeah, and and yeah. basically, uh, Peter's basically hoard himself more than Captain Kirk. <laughs> yeah, he's one horny bastard. <laughs> <laughs> He's out there getting intergalactic poontang. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, now, yeah, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, that was one of my favorite movie-going experiences I think I've ever had. Um, you know, saw it on this giant screen, super loud, and it just sort of enhanced the viewing. And we sat, like, in the second row on top of that, so, like, we were real close to the screen. Oh, nice. And, like, everything was just, like, you know... You know, the, the the joke in this Spinal Tap is, this goes to 11. Well, that one was like, this goes to, like, 15, you know? Everything was so amped up. I loved it. Like, the, the energy level of that film was way better than what we had just previously seen with, like, Thor The Dark World. And even to some degree, Captain America The Winter Soldier. Now, granted, I know Captain America doesn't rely on energy so much as it is, you know, the intellectual stuff. Um... But Guardians, it just went all out, and it was like, yeah, we're just going to do whatever the fuck we want now, because I think yeah. part of it was Kevin Feige learned the mistakes of when he was working with um, Joss Whedon for Age of Ultron, where like he stuck his nose in Age of Ultron's business way too damn much, and then he's like, you know what, okay, I trust James Gunn, I'm just going to let him do his thing, we'll see what we got, and it turned out to be a giant hit, and I really appreciated that. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Wait, Guardians was before... Uh, yeah, it, well, Guardians oh, was right. before... Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, that's right. Because, although I bet you the, the filming was kind of going on at the same time, maybe? They, I think that's fair to say, yes. Yeah, that's right, because I forgot that, like, Guardians came out almost a year before Age of Ultron. But I feel like Age of Ultron, like, he was probably working on Age of Ultron all the way back to, like, 2012, when the first one was coming out. Yeah. Um... Although I had heard that Kevin Feige also was not happy with Joss Whedon because Joss was also working on scripts for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
Right. At the same time, he's like, hey, uh, Joss, where's my movie? And he's like, I'll get to it. But I think also is that it's probably, this is probably for another, uh, where, where the MCU goes. Mm-hmm. I think that they're setting up a more, once, the, once they're done with phase three, it's, they're going to be, they're going to stay in the cosmos. So yeah. guardians, I feel is like basically the launching pad where you can be as out there as you want. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Kevin, like Kevin, Feige was pretty much going and why he hired Gunn to do it. Yeah, I can see that. Um, you know, the other thing I noticed, see, okay, you, you brought up, like, um, the orchestral music. Yeah. I, I have a problem when I watch movies where I don't really remember the music too well, unless yeah, yeah, that's... it's, like, an original song. Yeah, like, original music or, like, old music that was popular can be popular again kind of thing. Right. Nostalgic music. To me, that's more memorable than just having, say, like, um, Don Williams or... You know, another great orchestral musician do the soundtrack. Now, I get why they would have orchestral music, and I have nothing wrong with... I love orchestral music, especially in film. For some reason, it just doesn't stick with me the way that, like, these other music does. Like, I remember the Pulp Fiction soundtrack, the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Yeah. Because, you know, they're using, like, Leonard Skinner and, you know, like, Dick Dale and all these things, and it's like, okay, I get, you know... I remember those soundtracks, and and part of it then enhances the movie. And so that's when, like, when Guardians came out, and you have, like, ah, hooked on a feeling. It's like, oh, yeah, that's awesome, you know? And it it, it almost becomes, like, another feature of the film. I I think also just with Marvel and and their scores, they've they've always, I've always felt they're, mostly underwhelming okay. uh, uh, I, I mean the exception would be Al- Alvin Silvestri and um, Henry Jackman with the Winter, with the Winter Soldier and uh, even Michael Giacchino with uh, uh, Doctor Strange oh, but yeah. mostly it's just very uh, kind of forgettable it, yeah. it just falls into the background mm-hmm. yeah. well um, okay so we're not going to get into any kind of spoilers and, you know, cause we already agreed that we'll wait and talk about guardians of the galaxy on the next right. episode, for instance. But like, from what I understand is a lot of that movie's plot points were based on the music that he chose for it. Is that right? I would say that's correct. Yes. Okay. So some actually do bleed with, with, with the plot of the story and others are, are just very well timed because you can kind of see they just feel, they just feel very uh, convenient to the plot, of, to to the scene of the story. Mm-hmm. Okay, see that's really exciting. And like, okay, one good one. There are two songs I feel are very um, that really do move the plot forward, and it, and it, and it describes the characters in the scene. Mm-hmm. One is the chain by Fleetwood Mac. Okay, and then another one they use at the very end is called Fathers and Sons, and that's by uh, I believe that's Leonard Skinner. Yeah, I'm and not a hundred percent. I'd have to look. It up. I'm, I'm probably. I might. I might be wrong on the second one, but it's those two songs really do kind of capture the theme and a lot of the characters and the motiva- and the characters and motivations and where where they end up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what about uh, what? What do we all think of Doctor Strange? Because I, I really enjoyed Doctor Strange. Oh, you um, did. I did too. This, oh, wow. 
this person next to me did not. I and the next person in the other room did not either. Is that? I, I don't know. The choice it was uh, uh, it was Scott Derrickson who was going to direct it, and I yeah. up until that point I not really kept, was familiar with his work. Mm-hmm. I knew he was a horror director. Who did um, uh, uh, the uh, Exorcism of Emily Rose, and then Deliver Us from Evil, and some it's Sinister, and then I went back and watched his movies and thought okay this is going to be a very interesting choice and it turns out it's very inspired because it's kind of bizarre and it's very um there are some i I like there are some religious undertones in this story and i like that he he just kind of again he's being he's able to do his own to bring his own vision and bring his own stamp to the now ushering in magic as 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 an ability in this universe yeah well, see, for me, like, okay, I like that it was, again, trying something new, you know, bringing magic into the MCU and all that stuff. I just found, like, the, okay, it was probably the, the, the pacing of the film, not necessarily the, the script, because the felt, I felt like the script was pretty okay, but the pacing felt a little slow to me, maybe. Okay. Like, this, I don't know, like, it wasn't as zippy as it could be, especially for a film like that that is is you know re- relying on something like trying to be a little bit like a mixture of the matrix meets inception y- yes yes <laughs> and like both those films their pacing is extremely well crafted and every beat feels like it's timed just right or as i felt like Doctor Strange, it kind of felt slow to me. Now, maybe that's partly because of the way they introduced him into the world of magic. And you know what? Honestly, the storyline kind of felt like Batman Begins, like almost like he was joining the what the Army of Shadows or whatever it was. Or the League, the League of, of Shadows. The League of Shadows, yes. And, you know, they're they're training him to become a superhero kind of thing. Well, inadvertently, at least. The other thing that I had an issue with, though, is it felt like like one minute he needs a lot of training, and the next, all of a sudden, he's Doctor Strange. Right. There's no there there, there you, there's no uh, sense of, of time between where he starts and okay, now he is uh, considered a master of the mystic arts. Yeah, it's almost like he puts on the cape and okay, now he's Doctor Strange. I, I think. I want to say that uh, between that time, it's probably it's been weeks, if not maybe a few months. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I could be wrong on that. But yeah, I understand what you're saying yeah. in that regard. Yeah, but see again, like to me, it's not a big deal. I mean, I'll I'll still take you know a Marvel movie, Doctor Strange, over something like. You know, X Men Apocalypse or Batman, <laughs> yeah. Superman, Suicide Squad. You know, <laughs> these these movies that don't seem to be having any fun. They're forgetting that people want to have fun, and like at least Doctor Strange is trying to be entertaining, right? You know, and you get somebody like a, a great character actress like Tilda Swinton. You should be doing something right because it's Tilda Swinton, and then you get Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yes. I mean, you got That's some great actors here. But in a way, I don't know, part of it felt like they were just kind of chewing the scenery maybe a little. Oh, yeah, they're definitely doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know, I kind of enjoy enjoy seeing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, 
if you're chewing scenery, I mean, it, it works to sometimes it works to very good to very good, great effect. See the late Alan Rickman as Snape in the Harry Potter movies, where he was just chomping at the bit. <laughs> yeah, and it yeah, he really was. <laughs> and it works because he kind of you could easily see Snape kind of being that that being that rich and that kind of that kind of uh, of a character. Mm. And then other times it just it's like it, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I could see, you know, I could see some problems, you know, with the movie is that because it seems like, you know, the motivation was for him to, you know, get better and make his hands better, but then I kind of feel they kind of forced that on him to where he had to become Dr. Stranger. That's where I kind of feel like, okay, why is he going along with this again? Or why does he want to become the master of mystic arts again? Is that? And I felt that, um, what's his name, um, Mordo, I didn't feel like he had, like, an evil enough yeah. back story to where he was going to become this because we know that Baron Mordo was like, be, the bad great bad an, guy an, of, enemy of Doctor Strange is, is that yeah. he, he kind of started off as good guy and you're like okay last second you know what I'm going to yeah. change isn't he like uh, no the, like, no, the moment well, yeah. I think he was, no he, he no no so as far as Mordo goes uh, he's an he starts off as an ally but after finding out that the Ancient One is using Dormammu to feed off him to stay alive forever, his entire um, perception of what he what what he's done, what he's done at Comertage, and his mindset is just it shatters. It it, it, it comes to, it, it comes into complete doubt. And I like that he doesn't. And he also has these ideas that of staying in the natural law and not using and not trying to break. Uh, not bend or break the rules. Mm-hmm. Rules. I, I I like that 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 rigidness is still inside is still inside him, and it kind of drives his whole worldview. So it makes so in that so him breaking off and doing his own thing at the end that actually felt very natural to me. Seeing okay. that, no, hmm. well, other points are very good. But you know, to me, it was to me. I I love uh, I love the movie, and I love the. Uh, the multiverse, where they're calling it, where he's yes, the multiverse. Other, other things too, or is it screen flips? I thought that was really kind of cool. Yeah, I feel like that that like with the cosmic side of the inner of the of the Marvel universe, they're going to get really really weird with um, whenever they get around to making Doctor Strange too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to ask, like, did you know that the green that did anybody have a hint that that the green thing was the time stone? Did you know? I. I, I kind of had a feeling that yes, that that was going to be the um, the uh, that, that was going to the eye of Agamotto was a time was an Infinity Stone because it was it was it was it was hinted out by Feige that 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 device is basically just something that screws around with time and okay, time's done. And you know, you know, they're following the same you know logic, you know, because you know Thanos, the name you know turns out to be you know part of the Infinity Gauntlet and Stones. You know, like Tesseract, you know, you know, we got the, you know, because we, we don't know what's going to become of the Soul Stone because we're either guessing Heimdall or Helog. And with that, we got the Rally Stone, that's the Ether, so that's A, so we got N is, um, what is the end again? You know, they, they all come out to where it spells out Thanos, you know, is that I thought, I thought that, yeah. and with the necklace, you know, I thought, and I, I, I kind of figured it out that way because they were going in that direction. Wait a minute, wait. I don't think Thanos... Mostly O-A. 
D-H-A-N-O-S. Yeah, but you said E for ether? No, A. 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 That's how it's spelled. A. Aether. I know oh, it sounds like Aether, oh, but it's okay. Aether. Okay. Got it. Yeah, yeah, that's a... So that's that's how I kind of knew that that was kind of coming into into fold, and that you know is that that's why people are assuming huh. that you know the H is that people are assuming that that's either Heimdall or Hella because you know that's yeah. just basically because it spells out Thanos to what each one is. Well, I mean, okay, here's the thing. So like, the next Avengers movie is called Infinity War. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. we have. I mean, that it's basically like saying, um, guys, Thanos is probably gonna win because. You know, the next one is going to be Infinity Gauntlet. I don't know if they were going to attend this, but, you know... In the well, they, they, wanted to shoot, they wanted to shoot back-to-back, but uh, the project became so huge to the point where Feige decided... Feige and the film, and Joe and Anthony Russo decided that, you know what, let's just focus on Infinity War right now, and then oh, okay. so they, afterwards we're going to we'll do uh, Avengers 4, whatever they right. end up title, okay. giving it the name to. So that, that might be, that stuff's just rumor then. Um, yes, but they, they it is going to be shooting back-to-back, but not like, you know, some days part is going to be part one, and other days are going to be part two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, I, I have to admit, uh, honestly, like, if that's what they're basically going to do like the avengers are going to fight thanos and his yeah. badass team that like thanos has to win because you one you need at some point you need the bad guys to win eventually because otherwise right. it's unbalanced that you, you know if you want a good rivalry so to speak you need bad guys to win every once in a while and especially if you know there's going to be a part four anyway and supposedly there was like another another outlet there too yeah uh, because they saw it in like um, Odin's treasure room, or supposedly, so that's what I think they might be going for. Is that you know I might be taking, I don't know what kind of plan they're gonna think of, but you know they're basically gonna get up, yeah. dust yourself off. You know what? We're gonna figure out another way. Right. Okay. So then let's talk about these these new Avengers, basically. So like we have the new team is what? It's basically like it's it's um is it's well, it depends because it's a, it's still it's still a fractured team. Yeah. Uh. Right now, it's for Iron Man. Uh, it's well, of course, Iron Man, Vision, and uh, Spider Man, and that's it. Yeah. Well, at the end of Age of Ultron, we got you know Black Widow, Cap, then we got the, we got War Machine, Falcon, Scarlet Witch, and uh, Falcon. Falcon. So I, but I assume they're gonna. I don't know. Because I think splits are sides are still going to be split. Because they are, yeah. Because Tony is, or they're not Tony, Tony, but you know, Peter Parker's going to play. You know, I'm I'm with Iron Man well, because I feel like where they're going to go though is like the new Avengers. If there's going to be like a Phase Four Avengers kind of thing, I feel like what it's going to be is it's going to be what Vision. Well, maybe not Vision if he. If no, I, again, probably won't live. But okay, so you're going to have what? You're going to have at least Spider Man, Black Panther, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Uh, maybe the Guardians. Uh, no, I think I think that's just a what I think that's probably a one-time deal. Okay. Uh, I would pro- Ant- I would actually Ant-Man? probably say Black Widow. Black Widow. If she probably survives, yeah. yeah. What about Ant Man? We think he's gonna be an, an Ant Man. Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah. And the Wasp. That's right, because Ant Man and the Wasp is coming up as well. And, and, although I think that's coming up after after Infinity War. War. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, okay, so that pretty much covers all the talk about the individual movies and the characters and everything. How do we rank, at least of the four major ones, so Iron Man, Captain Thor, Hulk, 
how do you rank the characters first? I'd say honestly, I uh, Cap is probably my favorite, honestly. Okay. And then Tony Stark is like number two. Uh, and then oh man, uh, I guess four is three, and then Hulk is four. I guess. Okay. Be number one and number two with Tony and Cap. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I get, but if, if you wanted to include the side characters, it would be oh yeah, still Cap One, mm-hmm. uh, Thor, Cap One, Iron Man Two, uh, Romanoff Three, uh, the Falcon Four. Is it, I, I think Anthony Mackie's really cool as the Falcon. Oh, yeah. yeah, he is really cool. <clears throat> I, I don't know what I found out really that he was the main rapper guy in Eight Man. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that guy. I, because I did a Google on his name, I thought that's the guy who did the rap battle with Eminem. He, well, he's he's also in Million Dollar Baby, right? Uh, he he, he got knocked out by um, yeah, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman, yeah, yeah. punched him in the face, knocked him out. <laughs> oh yeah, well, plus I mean, if we're going, he and Jeremy Renner were also already together. Also in, in the Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, I go Iron Man's my favorite, then Captain America, Hulk, and then Thor. Not that I have any problems with Thor. He's just not a very interesting character. Right. I've got to go the same with that. Then how about the actual movie franchises? So for me, like, mine, I go the Captain America series, Iron Man series, well, and then Thor, and then, well, Hulk doesn't really have one. Uh, uh, it's hard for me, it's hard to, 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 um, uh, to, to kind of rank the series, since the only two completed ones are... Uh, Iron Man, Iron Man's trilogy, and mm-hmm. the Captain America trilogy. Uh, I mean, you could. I mean, I guess you could. You could add in Guardians, but again, we haven't. There's not a third, right? So it's. I, I if I had to gauge just movie wise, I would just. I, I would have to say, do it on an individual basis from the first one to the most recent. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going that route, I would say. Uh, I would probably say Winter Soldier 1 and then Civil War is like a close 2 and then Avengers 3, Guardians 4, Iron Man 5. Mm-hmm. I got, for me, as much as I love Iron Iron Man, but for me, the Captain America had better, the better storyline to me. Yeah. So, yeah, what are your top five favorite MCU movies? Top five, would, I, for me, it's just the Avengers, the Avengers first one. Civil War, Winter Soldier, then the Guardians, and then uh, I don't really have a really have a fifth one. I guess I didn't really think about it that far. Ant Man? No, I didn't really care for the Ant Man's. Uh, the first the first Avenger. You uh-huh. said you like Doctor Strange. Yeah, uh, yeah, Doctor Strange. I'll put in Doctor. Strange. Yeah. Okay. Mine go. Okay, number one would be at um. Guardians of the Galaxy is number one. All right. I think I would go Civil War two, Iron Man three, The Avengers four, and I think Age of Ultron fifth. Okay. So then, yeah, let's talk about who have been our favorite directors so far. Mm, okay. Uh, for me, I I really like what the Russos have done, but I also really like John Favreau. You know, he was the first. For me, I'm not really big on directors and all that, but, you know, he's the, like, those are the only directors that really kind of spoke out. Mm. Uh, 
I, I definitely agree about the about the part about the Russos, uh, what they've done uh, with the with, with the the last two Captain America films. But I also want to say put up put up Whedon because he's he, he's the, he because he did bring uh, all of these threads together from previous installments of the of the uh, MCU. But also he also did something I really enjoyed, which is he actually. He actually made Black. He made Black Widow an interesting character, and that's and uh, I felt like uh, the Russos kind of took off from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I do. I, I'm always going to think, oh yeah, and he, and he made Bruce Banner interesting. So that's. I think he gets like the <laughs> yeah. creative edge, something a bit of a creative edge uh, for that. Also, I loved how he guided Phase Two. Because remember, he he was he oversaw the entire phase two to, to set up Age of Ultron. Part with um, Black Widow being interesting, she's already interesting because you you already had um, Scarlett Johansson. In. Yeah, but she wasn't given much to do in Iron Man two except just hey, it's 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 Black Widow. Right. Yeah, she's just kind of basically being introduced. In fact, if I remember yeah. right, wasn't our introduction scene where like Tony was in a boxing ring? Yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But I think in terms of directors right now, uh, I'd actually say James Gunn, mm-hmm. just from what what he did with Guardians Volume Two. I mean, I would say just when you see it, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be what you expect mm-hmm. a traditional sequel to be, and therein lies what makes it so rich and so uh, satisfying as a sequel to watch. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I'm super excited. Uh, for volume two, because um, one of the things I heard is that the aesthetics, like the colors and the visuals together, like it's one of the most beautiful films they've ever Oh, it is. It is. It truly is. I mean, I guess if you're talking Oscars, that, that'll be up for visual effects and probably art. I think visual effects, art direction, a serious look at art direction and, uh, do they still do like costumes and and and, and stuff like? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, costumes yep. and makeup. Yeah, yep. Hair and makeup, makeup yeah. and hairstyling, um, production design, even maybe. Perhaps, but you'll have to, you'll you'll have to um, uh, see how 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 um, how it carries further down further down into November and December. Right. Yeah, but, I can, to... but yeah, but definitely makeup and visual effects. I think would are blocks honestly. Okay. If I had to guess what could end up being nominated for Best Visual Effects, uh, let's throw in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yeah, that's uh, in. Episode 8. Episode 8, in. yep. Star Wars The Last Jedi. Uh, maybe Justice the, League? Maybe? Uh, or do you think Wonder again, Woman? Uh, it depends. I, I'd probably put, I think I'd probably put more stock in Wonder Woman than I would Justice League. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, especially based on the, um, the the trailer for Justice League. Yeah, I'm and then probably and then probably Transformers. You know, oh my. god, <laughs> oh, I, I really hope not. I'd rather see the Fate of the Furious, <laughs> 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 or even like Kong Skull Island. Yeah, you can you could sell me on that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, um, then yeah, for directors who haven't done a Marvel movie and. There's no talk about it, but who would just fantasy, you know, you, you are Kevin Feige and you can offer a new movie to anybody, any director. Who would you want to see direct a Marvel movie? 
I'd love to see Ava DuVernay, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I know she was she was looked at for Black Panther, and I mean, they were close, and then it, and then the decision was that it, it wouldn't be her film. It would, it's, it would still be kind of mm-hmm. Kevin, Feige, Ke- Kevin Feige's okay. uh, now, film all the way through. But I... Yeah. I I, I would love to see Ava get a shot, get a if crack you at could it at some point. Get Ava, and you had a specific <clears throat> film in mind. Which character would you want her to direct? Ooh, that's a good or would one. you I, want I, her to take an Avengers movie? Uh you know, I let's like to see her do Black Widow. That would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, like a because like, she hasn't had her own one yet. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean. The you know I heard this like and I agree that like at least DC got a, a Wonder Woman movie as fast as they have. Yeah, true. But is it is it going to be is it going to be good? Is the question right? Yeah. Charlotte Johansson. How could you not yeah. cover your own movie? <laughs> All right, Eric. Well, yeah. or, no, uh, yeah. unless you see Ghost in the Shell and she was and she was the big draw. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that didn't no. work out too well. Right. Okay, Eric, how about you? Any director that, you, that you're familiar with that you'd want to see do a Marvel movie and which character? What I was saying before, uh, in terms of Scarlett Johansson, yeah. If you haven't seen Ghost in the Shell, uh, again, given her own role, her own thing, her chance to do her thing, uh, not nothing against her, it's just the movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I covered it <laughs> last, last time on, on the last podcast, so... Well, I suppose she doesn't have any memorable or just any films. No, it's just it's just no, it's just she's a, she 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 wasn't given shit to work with, honestly. Yeah. And if you want to see Scarlett do better sci-fi, watch uh, her or um, Under the Skin. Hmm. Yeah, I've tried watching that movie a couple times. Couldn't finish it. Which one? Under the Skin. I I uh, I yeah I love it. It's just yeah. You know, it's, I, something, it's just yeah. something different that, that, I, that I haven't really seen. I, 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 I feel like, not to completely get off topic, but I feel like the way I feel about Under the Skin, Jonathan, is probably the way you feel about um, the, tree of Alex, life. the Tree of Life. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> or it's just, it's too weird. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, so yeah, how about you, Eric? Well, I'm not really familiar on the rest or sort of say, but uh, for me, the one that really kind of I don't know why his name is. Oh, oh Quentin! <laughs> yeah, they should oh, have yeah. a bloodbath, you know, which at the the infinity, the infinity Wars. Okay, no, really? You know what? If, oh, if, oh, you're, oh, if you're going to get Tarantino yeah. to actually direct, yeah, it would have to be like like Daredevil or Luke mm-hmm. Cage or so, something like that, because it, it, it that that would fit his aesthetic. Actually, you know what? Luke Cage going off topic. Luke mm-hmm. Cage. Just uh, the aesthetic of it. Yeah. It feels like almost like a black exploitation movie in a, a black exploitation okay. series. That something that that Tarantino would actually sink his teeth into. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, you guys are going to be um, just maybe a little shocked, and listeners, uh, but just go with me on this because it kind of okay. popped my head. And I would just die to see this if we got Damien Chazelle Spider Man movie. Okay, that would be interesting. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and then you have Spider-Man playing a piano. <laughs> or, lecturing, or lecturing, you know, Miles Morales about jazz. <laughs> yeah. 
But I mean, seriously, like, how interesting would that be to have a Damien Chazelle Spider-Man movie? Or hell, get Damien Chazelle to do a Hulk movie. Although, you know what? You know what? Okay. I've heard that they wouldn't even mind doing a movie together, co-directing. How about um, Damien Chazelle and Barry Jenkins together doing, like... In any film, that would be really damn... That would be damn interesting. Yeah. Although, actually, I think James (laughs) Gunn's actually writing directing Volume 3, so... Mm -hmm. But, like, just the idea, like, take those characters, if Barry Jenkins and Damien Chazelle work together, oh, my God. Or if they could do Inhumans. Actually, that's, that's uh, like, now, like, Marvel TV, I think. Is it? Yeah, the, yeah. Wow. T- Kevin took it off the uh, uh, off the schedule. Okay. Wow. Hmm. So then that brings me to the last major topic I want to cover with us. Where, where do we think these are going? Like, wh- ultimately, what is the... N- the end game? Yeah. Uh, is there even one? I think the, I, I, there, there is, I think there is part of an end game, but also a continuation. My thing is that uh, after, after whatever happens with Infinity War and Avengers 4, uh, first, Tony Stark probably dies. Yep. Captain Rogers probably dies. Uh some other characters that we that we've come to like, probably like a uh, 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 Barton and uh, a few others, probably end up biting it, and the and the old guard of the Avengers uh, dissolves, and in comes a new one. Mm-hmm. Well, I heard Fred Plaza that's new Captain Marvel. Mark. Yep, yep, that's so actually that coming one. out what next next year? Uh, twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. He's got the directors to do that because right. next year we have infinity war yeah and ant-man and ant-man and the wasp yeah okay and black panther yeah and black panther because black panther comes out what february yep yeah that's, yeah that's gonna be awesome because ryan coogler i think there there is something in place like uh of course there's gonna be guardians 3 but also i think you probably get a spinoff of the ravenger you could do a spinoff of the ravengers uh I think you can probably do something with the Nova Corps. Um, uh, Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie mm-hmm. is is slate is, is going to be a component of the of the MCU for a while since she's under contract. Yeah, uh, I think again it's it, it's going to. I feel that the MCU is going to be very much in in the cosmos and being as creative and as as out there as. As as they can within within a PG thirteen within the limits of a, of a PG thirteen film, uh, and I think the same. I think you can kind of say the same with um, the mul- with the multiverse with um, the supernatural elements of the MCU. Mm-hmm. And I think like on the ground level on Earth is going to be is going to take a is probably going to take a back seat to to, to a certain extent. Well, I think they're going to try to yeah. move on to the next big, like, big ultimate villains like Ramu or yeah. I even, I even heard talks here of trying to bring back, you know, the Red Skull into it and maybe practice. Oh. Oh. So yeah, that was kind of interesting. I, 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 well, see, I just wish like all characters could be interconnected. So like, bring the X Men into this and bring Dare or uh, Deadpool into this. Wolverine and Iron Man; those two would have a great conversation. <laughs> Yeah, of course. The yeah, even like, Wolverine's dead at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. I would also say, um, uh, if since if he, if you're gonna have the uh, 
the physical stuff on it to take a back seat, mm-hmm. a bit of a back seat. I think now would be the per- then it would be the perfect time to actually. Um, sorry, it's the cat. No this would be the perfect time to to bring in Daredevil or bring in Luke Cage or Iron Fist or yeah. Jessica Jones in, into this universe because that would be really interesting to have to actually have to see how I to see kind of their stories being told on film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, my fantasy would be that like, we don't have any barriers. So like DC characters can interact with Marvel characters and Sony characters and all these things. So like you could have a Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, all in one movie. That would be awesome, but that would be really, really oh, com- I just see that just being extremely com- like extremely complicated just given the two sides, what what would they want, how would you make this damn move how would you make it and That's what the multiverse is for, like for you work with Doctor Strange, you'll like find a reality where they're all the all they are in. Well, um I think for the sake of this topic, we've pretty much covered everything we want to at this point. I do like the idea, though, that if we want to discuss it further once, like, you know, we see Spider-Man Homecoming and Thor Ragnarok, we do oh, yeah. a follow-up. Another one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because this is, this is great. So, well, thank you for doing this, you guys. Oh, no problem. And uh, hopefully the listeners will enjoy this and uh, they'll want to stay tuned for more. <laughs> you don't have Tony doesn't have enough support. Yeah. Oh, please, oh, yeah. please definitely enjoy. Please definitely enjoy this and listen to yeah. everything else we do afterwards. Exactly. Uh, all listeners on Twitter, um, can't can't we all just get along when it comes to DC versus Marvel? <laughs> uh, not anytime soon. I'm afraid. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that'll wrap us up. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. This has been a bonus episode of the Woo LA podcast, and uh, we will all see you later. Your character's name is Groot. My character's name is Groot, and... He only can say three words. He only says, I am Groot. <laughs> I am again Groot. Again and again and That's again and again say. and again throughout the whole movie. You have to do it differently, emotionally do it. Yeah. So if you're happy, go, I'm Groot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was very challenging because of that. But here's the cool thing, and I heard you had to do this in different languages for when the movie goes worldwide. First time I ever did a movie in multiple languages. Yeah. I want to see if I, I'll test you uh, and just see Uh-oh. if you remember how to do it in the languages. Okay. Ready? French. <laughs> Je suis Groot. <laughs> <laughs> Correct! Uh, Spanish. Soy Groot. See how your voice went deeper for that one? I know. It yeah, because you were like, the first one was like, Je suis Groot? Exactly. And then you're, like, you're right. It's Soy true. Groot. It's not fair. It's uh, not fair. Mandarin. Mandarin. Mm, that's a tricky one. <clears throat> well, they don't say. Vin Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she galuta. <laughs> That's the best right there. I want to show you the clip. Here's Vin Diesel as Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy. Take a look at this. You see it? 
Yeah? There's a Quarnix battery behind it. Purplish box, green wires. To get into that watchtower, I definitely need it. How are we supposed to do that? Well, supposedly these bald bodies find you attractive, so maybe you can work out some sort of trade. You must be joking. No, I really heard they find you attractive. Look, it's 20 feet up in the air, and it's in the middle of the most heavily guarded part of the prison. It's impossible to get up there without being seen. I got one plan, and that plan requires a freaking Quarnix battery, so figure it out! Can I get back to it? Thanks. Now, this is important. Once the battery is removed, everything is gonna slam into emergency mode. Once we have it, we gotta move quickly. So you definitely need to get that last. Or we could just get it first and improvise. There you go. Vin Diesel, Guardians of the Galaxies in theaters and IMAX 3D on Friday. Check it out. Nobody wants it!